0: Let's listen to today's message. In the previous episode, we looked at a couple of things. And in that, we said Christ Jesus is the Son of Righteousness. The Bible says that the Lord is a son. The Lord is a Show. the Lord will give grace and glory. And he will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly. And the church is the moon reflecting the light of the sun. So we said that without Christ Jesus, the, sun, um, the, the church is dark. The church has no light on its own. So Christ Jesus became the source of the light of the church. And we know that the sun shines in the day and the moon shines in the night. So the moon at this present age of the church means that we're living in a dark time. We're living in a perilous time. We are we're not living in the day. The day is going to be the kingdom era when the church and Christ shall be joined together, which means the bride of Christ. And Christ, the bridegroom, shall be joined together. And that is going to be the kingdom age when the bride shall rule together with the bridegroom. So Christ is the sun, the church is the moon, reflecting the light of the sun in a dark age or in the night. And we also saw from Revelation chapter 2 that there are also stars. John saw seven stars in the hand of Christ and also saw seven lampstands. So we said that the stars are overcomers, the angels, the, the bishops, the representative messengers of the Lord. So the moon is the corporate or the universal church, but we also have stars. We know that stars also shine in the night in the night. And there are a lot of them. So just as there is a corporate or universal church, the moon, there are also stars who stand for God. And I believe that these are remnants of God. They are people that the Lord uses. They are people who look directly to God. They are people who are always seeking the face of God, who who have their knees bent every time, interceding for nations, interceding for people, interceding for all manner of things in the church or even outside the church. We also looked at the lampstand the Bible says that John saw seven golden lampstands or candlesticks and Jesus was in the midst. And when you read Exodus chapter 25, the Bible says that the lampstand was made of gold. Gold is symbolic of the glory of God. The Bible says that it was beaten or it was hammered and was without weight, meaning the glory of God is without weight. The glory of God cannot be measured. It's just what it is. So The lampstand According to Exodus chapter 25, had six branches, three on the left, three on the right. And then there is a middle shaft and there is one light source, which is the Holy Spirit, but there are seven spirits of God. When you read Revelations, the Bible talks about the seven spirits of God. So there is one Holy Spirit, but there are seven spirits of God. These are things that hopefully in later episodes we'll delve more into. So the lampstand is symbolic of the local church is the vivid expression of Christ, is a vivid expression of the triune God. Just as there is one spirit, but there are seven spirits of God, there is one Holy Spirit, but the expression of the Holy Spirit of God is in sevenfold. And that is how the church is, that the church is supposed to exude the triune God. The church is supposed to exude the Christ life that is lacking in the world. So the limestone is a local church. So, we have the sun, we have the moon, we have stars, and we have lampstands. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible teaches us that God put Adam to sleep, and out of Adam, out of his inner chamber, he brought forth a rib, and he created Eve, the wife of Adam. And in Genesis chapter 2, from verse 21 to 24, the Bible says that after God had taken out of the rib of Adam to create Eve, Adam saw Eve and declared, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she, is, she was taken out of man. Then the Bible says that, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They too, they twain, shall become one flesh. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, it ends there. But in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul re this same scripture, this same verse, that for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined together with his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. In Ephesians chapter 5, from verse 30, Paul says that for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. And then he says that this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So, Even when God was creating Adam and Eve, he was speaking about his church. He was telling us something about the marriage between Christ and the church. So Paul says, oh, this is a great mystery, but actually I am speaking concerning Christ Jesus and the church. What does this mean? Adam and Eve is a typology of Christ and the church because see, out of one came two and then the two would join together and become one. Before Adam where was Eve? And before Eve, where was Adam? Look at this. God created Adam, one man. And in that one man, it was as though all of humanity was in Adam. Listen to this carefully. So God created Adam and out of Adam created Eve. And then now, he says that Adam and Eve joined together, they'll become one. So out of one came two. And then, out of the two, came one. So is the church and Christ. Before the death and the resurrection of Christ, where was the church? Just as Adam had to be put to sleep, and then in his resurrection came Eve, so Christ had to die, that at the resurrection of Christ, the church would exist. Before the death and the resurrection of Christ, the church was not in existence, but at the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, the church came into existence. So out of Christ came the church, just like Eve came out of Adam when Adam was put to sleep. So you you, you you read that when Lazarus died, Jesus said he was asleep. Let us go and wake him up. And the disciples did not understand. See, Christ died, but actually Christ slept just as Adam slept. And at the resurrection of Adam, at the resurrection of Christ. At the awakening of Christ, at the awakening of Adam came Eve. So at the awakening of Christ came the church. So out of Christ, the church came into existence. It means the church was taken out of Christ. And the Bible says that the two, Adam and Eve, will be joined together to become one, 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 not two. So Christ and the church will be joined together to become one man one man. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says that for he is our peace. He himself is our peace. He has broken down the middle wall of partition. He has joined. He has made the twain to be one. He has reconciled us to himself. So he is the head. We are the body. We are members of his body. So Adam said, notice that Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible makes us understand that flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God, neither that corruption inheriting corruption. Flesh and blood speaks of humanity. Flesh and blood is is that which is of the natural of humanity. Flesh and bones speaks of the resurrection, speaks of a greater life, speaks of a spiritual kind of life. Do you remember when Jesus resurrected, the disciples saw him? And they were were astonished. They were were amazed. And then, what did he tell them? Look at me. The disciples thought that he was a ghost. And Jesus said, A ghost does not have flesh and bones as ye see me have. So it means that in our resurrected bodies, we shall not have flesh and blood. We shall shall have flesh and bones. The glory of God will flow through us. And that will become our very blood. That will become our very life. at the resurrection... We shall not have flesh and blood, we shall have flesh and bones. The glory of God would be what would flow through us for us to be able to partake of that which is heavenly. So out of Adam came Eve, just as out of Christ came the church. And then Adam and Eve, the two put together, will become one. So Christ and the church will join together and become one, 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 one. Oh, have you not read in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that for whoever is joined together with the Lord is one spirit with him. One spirit. One spirit. Now, the Bible says that Eve was made, or Eve was to become an meat. help meat. What is an meat? The church was born to become the help of Christ, the head. What does it mean? You know, whatever the head thinks, the body carries out. The body does not live on its own. The body does not walk about without instruction of the head. So, Eve was made as an helpmate. When the Bible says that wives should should submit to their husbands, that's what it means. It is not an oppressive rule. No, no, no. It's something exuding the relationship between the believer and Christ, the relationship between the church and Christ, which is saying God is using that. God is using the earthly marriage to to paint a, a broader picture, an eternal picture of the marriage that is going to ensue between Christ and the believer. So Christ is the head. The church is the body of Christ. There's a reason why we are called the body of Christ. Paul says, that for we are members of his body, of his flesh. So whatever the head thinks, the body carries the thoughts of the head out. The body does not live on its own. So the church is supposed to be and help meet to Christ, the husband or the head. The church is supposed to fulfill the desires of Christ. The church is supposed to carry out the thoughts of Christ. Where Christ thinks to be, that's where the church should be. The church is not called on its own, separate from Christ. No, the church without the head, which is Christ, is nothing. And the church must be dying to fulfill this. That Christ thinks this and the church runs to fulfill it. That is the work of God. That's what true ministry looks like. It's not the thoughts of men, it's not something we've conjured up. It's not just out of our own wills. No, it's it's seen from, from the perspective of Christ without having a demented vision. Like you see exactly as Christ sees. You do exactly as Christ Christ says. And Christ says that my heart is with the brokenhearted that's where the church wants to be. When Christ says that my heart is with the poor, that's where the church wants to be. When Christ says that a good religion is to take look after orphans and widows and keep yourself unspotted from the world, that's where the church wants to be because Christ is the head and the church is the body. And when Christ, the head, thinks, the body moves and coordinates itself with the thoughts of Christ. So now we are the body of Christ. When we grow and mature, we shall become the bride of Christ and then the wife of Christ. So this dispensation is very important. Your growth as a Christian, your maturity as a Christian, your understanding of the truth of God and you clothing yourself with Christ is very important to your life here and after with Christ. See, Christians are supposed to live with this consciousness. The reason why you have to grow in Christ is not for your comfort. The reason why... A lady has to be ready for marriage. It's not just for her comfort. No, it is for your marriage. And the more you think about it in that way, the more you are eager, the more you are hungry, the more you thirst after righteousness, the more you want to know more of him, the more you want him to teach you, show you things in preparation for your marriage, so to speak. So in Ephesians chapter four, I believe, when Paul was talking about spiritual gifts, And he says that to each one of us grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ ascended on high and he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Paul says that and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and so on, some pastors and teachers for what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all. Come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Wow scripture is sweet. So when when Christ gave gifts he gave the gifts so that his body will be nourished so that his body which will later become the bride and then the wife Of Christ will be nourished. It is not for show, no. So Paul says that it is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These gifts are meant to edify the body of Christ, so that we all will come to the unity of the faith and grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. And then we will get to a perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, the husband. The bridegroom. So Christ is washing us. He's equipping us to grow in Him. He's, he's helping us to present the church to Himself as glorious, without blemish, without spots and wrinkles. So He's doing this. So He's blessed us with gifts, with talents to do this. He's edifying us. He's helping us because He loves us. And Paul says that no man hated his own body. If we are the body of Christ, <laughs> Then he loves his body, he's nourishing his body, just like you love your body, you feed your body, you clothe your body, you nourish your body. No man hated his own body, we are the body of Christ, we are members of his body, and he's nourishing us. He's doing this for himself, so that at our union, at the union between Christ and his church, the church will be something glorious. The church will meet, will satisfy the heart of Christ. And that is what we are doing here now. There is nothing called self in the Christian life. This, the, yourself is dead. So you should reckon that truth to yourself. Christ is building something up in you. He's building you into something glorious for himself. He's building the new man, the new man, that one man. We, the body of Christ and Christ the head. One man, one new man. And the good news is that this is for every man. Paul says that for in Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no circumcision or uncircumcision. There's no Jew. There's no barbarian. There's no Scythian, There's is, there is no bond. There's no free. In Galatians, Paul says for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth nothing but faith working in love. It's for everyone. This picture of Christ in the church is reflected everywhere in the Bible. We read about Isaac and Rebekah. The Bible says that Isaac carried his own wood to Moriah to be sacrificed. His father Abraham was going to sacrifice him. Now Moriah is the same mountain range where Golgotha is. That is exactly where Christ carried his own cross. Isaac married from outside, from an outside nation. Isaac married Rebekah. The Bible says that Abraham sent a servant to get a wife, Rebekah, for Isaac. And he says that Isaac was meditating in the evening tide, and then he saw Rebekah. Isaac is a type of Christ. When I say Isaac is a type of Christ, he is, he is a representative figure of Christ. Isaac, the marriage between Isaac and Rebekah reflects the marriage between Christ and the church. We also read from Genesis that Joseph, the son of Jacob, married Aspinat. Now Aspinad was the daughter of Pharaoh. Now when when Pharaoh appointed Joseph, as a governor, he, he gave him a name, Zaphinat Paniah. Zafinat Paniah, Pania, meaning savior of the world. Joseph is a type of Christ. And Joseph did not marry from his tribe. He married from Egypt. Aspinat was the daughter of Pharaoh, meaning Christ takes his wife also from the Gentiles, from the outside world. There are no boundaries. Then we also read about Moses and Zipporah, also representing The church in the wilderness, Moses committed murder and he fled. And there he got married to Zipporah when he was in the wilderness. So meaning Christ takes the church out of the wilderness. There's so many allegories. There's so many typologies in the Bible that point us to the marriage between Christ and the church. So so far we've learned about the sun, which is Christ, the moon, which is the church. We've learned about stars, the overcomers. And we have also learned about the lampstands representative of the local churches around the world. We've also learned that even when God was creating Adam and Eve, He was speaking about His church, the marriage between Christ and the church. So out of Adam came Eve. So out of Christ came the church. Then Adam and Eve will be joined together and they will become one. So Christ and the church will be joined together and become one. And this is. The mystery of Christianity. This is the mystery of man uniting with his God in eternity. That man will become one with God. And it begins now as a Christian. he begins now as a believer. God delights in you. God, God wills to dwell in harmony with you, to become one with you. God has no will to dwell outside of you. So as you walk daily, as you partake in the glories of God, as you walk hand in hand with Him, as He is teaching you, as He is maturing you, His maturity is to present you to Himself as His wife, that He will be able to join together with you. Just like a husband longs for his wife, just like a husband longs to be one with his wife, so Christ longs to be one with us. Thank you for tuning in to Glory Field. If this message edified you, please make a personal commitment to act on it. Prioritize building a deeper fellowship with the Holy Spirit and never neglect prayer. He's ever willing to indwell you and make you more like Christ. We encourage you to find a community of believers who also desire to be like Christ. God's faithful. He'll order your steps in righteousness. We love you and we agree in prayer with you to be obedient to Christ Jesus.